You are now listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Our message comes to us from our teaching and discipleship pastor, Pastor Jordan Wood. Have a listen. I want to read a passage this morning. The title of my message is Unplug the Wells. Unplug the Wells. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of John, the seventh chapter verses 37 through 41 to begin. Uh, Incidentally, concerning the sleeping bags, I do want to say also thank you to all those who have uh, been donating sleeping bags. Our bin is full. Alex and Grace, if you're watching, please come and get them so we can empty them and we can fill it again. Um, And uh, if you would love to donate a sleeping bag, but you can't make it to the store, we have put a this week a special offering plate uh, next to the, the bin with a sign. And any money that goes in there will have someone or myself will go to the store and pick up the sleeping bag, come back, put it in the bin for you. So if you would love to donate a sleeping bag, but you actually can't make it out to a store, then uh, you can always donate that way. And if you have any issues, you can always contact me. Reading John chapter 7, 37, this scripture is about to take flight. 737. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And John, the author of this gospel, adds this postscript, to what Jesus is saying. By this, he, Jesus, meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Because up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And on hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet. Others said, he is the Messiah. Would you join me in prayer one more time? Father, this morning, we're just grateful that we can gather here. We're grateful that we can come and worship in freedom. We're grateful that we can come and hear your word spoken. We're grateful, Lord, that uh, uh, that you've You've helped us during this season. You've, you've afforded us a special measure of grace to endure and to thrive and to do well. And so we offer this prayer of thanks to you. We ask now, Lord, that uh, you would help us to receive from your word. Help us for those who are struggling, for those who are facing challenges. Lord, would your grace be even greater today? We pray this in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. In this passage, Jesus is attending a festival. A festival. He was going to a party. It happens to be the festival known as Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles. And, of course, that feast in particular, that was one of several feasts that uh, were instituted by Moses And it was to commemorate how Israel was in the wilderness for those uh, 40 years and how they uh, lived in in, in tents and and, and portable shelters. And so they do this over an eight-day celebration 
uh, they sort of have the tabernacles, and, and maybe you're familiar with that. Even to this day, it's, it's, a, it's a common practice. And, and people look and say, why are you building this sort of outdoor shelter and, and, and going and having meals in there and fellowshipping in there? Uh, it's peculiar. It's to commemorate something that happened with the nation of Israel many, many years ago. However, in Jesus' day, because there was a temple, they often would turn it into a kind of pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem. And so uh, what's really cool about this is that during the festival, there was some, some special ceremonies that would take place. One of them was going to get some water from a spring. And I found this very uh, interesting. Uh, the temple priests would take this golden pitcher and they would leave the temple and they would go down outside the city of David and they would draw water from a natural spring. Then they'd take this water and they would come back rejoicing. And as all the people who were gathered there with them saw them coming back with this water that they had gathered from the spring, uh, they would start to rejoice and there'd be shouts uh, you know, of praise and of thanksgiving to God. And the priests would come and they would pour this water on the altar and they would uh, also drink some. And the Temple Institute website um, gives this description. At the foothills of Mount Moriah, down below the city of David, flows a natural spring called Shiloach. Many of you maybe are familiar with the pool of Siloam. That's connected. It's connected to this natural spring called Shiloach. This spring is ancient. And as it is located literally in the shadow of the holy temple, it has always had a spiritual significance for Israel. It is the original source of Jerusalem's water. Every day of the festival of tabernacles, the priests descended to the Shiloh, accompanied by all the congregation assembled in the temple. There they filled a golden flask of pure water. Ascending back, carrying the flask with song, the, ga they, the gathering entered back into the temple through the water gate. That's where it gets the name. One of the gates on the southern side of the court. As they entered the gate, their steps were greeted with the sound of trumpets, and they would blast this instrument called a shofar. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds like that, but it's really, really loud, and it, it causes everything inside you just to, 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 to shake. It's almost like your cell phone is going off in your pocket, but you have no cell phone. It's just, you know, you're vibrating. Very, very loud shouts of praise. They celebrated this bringing back of natural water. Interestingly, on the last and greatest day of the festival, because the, the festival would you know, it would, it would get more intense and more intense until the last day was the greatest day of the festival. Jesus gets up and shouts, whoever believes in me, living water will flow from within them. It's an interesting statement to make at this particular festival. But let me ask you something. Is this your experience? Is living water flowing through you? Do you have the Spirit of God active in your life? Flowing from within you. Is the very life of God moving in your heart and mind and bringing life to everything it touches? 
is the blessing of God saturating your life in your coming and your going all around you and within you. I think there's a song like that. Is he with you in the morning? Come on, in the evening, in your weeping and rejoicing is the spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit that he is with you and for you and in you and moving through you. Is this true of you? Is the Spirit of God active in your life? When you think about the Lord, do you sense His presence? When you pray, do you hear His voice? When you speak with others who know the Lord, does the testimony of the Spirit of God within you confirm what is being spoken? Is this your regular experience? If not, why not? You know, I want to just say that in this season, it's, it's been really tough for a lot of people. And I'm so thankful that God has seen us through and he will be faithful. Amen. And I just feel like we just need a, a, an extended measure of grace. I know I keep harping on that. I keep saying that. But we need more grace with one another. We need more grace with ourselves. We need more grace to face situations and conversations and, and, and changes. And so for anyone here or anyone watching online this morning who maybe feels just, just sort of beat down by the last number of months, can I encourage you by saying God is faithful today. God is faithful. He's going to see you through. You know, we don't know how much we need the Lord until we need him. And we need him today. Amen. If you agree, say amen. This isn't the first time in the Gospel of John where we encounter Jesus. We find Jesus speaking about living water, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Take a look at well-known passages in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 7 through 15. It says this, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did it also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I won't be a thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. In this passage, Jesus is telling the Samaritan woman, again, that whosoever believes in him will have eternal life. 
Jesus was about to inaugurate a new era in the giving of the Holy Spirit. This gift would be like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. My question is, is this true of your life? If not, why not? How many would say that I need the Spirit of God? How many would say that I need the active, living, breathing Spirit of God moving in my heart and mind, transforming me from the inside out, anointing me, my thoughts, my words, my actions, preparing a way before me, covering my family and keeping me in his perfect will and plan? If that's you, you can say, Jesus, I need this river of life. I want this river of life. Please give me this water that I may thirst no more. Are you seeking and longing for more of the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit someone you only know from memory? And I say that very soberingly. I ask that not with an air of judgment, but just is that the reality? When we talk about the Holy Spirit in your life, do we have to stretch back so far into some kind of a distant memory? The moment when you were drawn, you were called, you were rescued by the Spirit of the living God. He touched you. He healed you. He spoke to you. You walked with him and you talked with him and he told you you were his own. Maybe your experience was that you had the life of the Spirit of God moving and active at a previous point in your life. But life in the Spirit has waned over time and has become like someone forgot to tighten the Diet Pepsi. You know that frustrates me. Does that bother you? Someone forgot to tighten the Diet Pepsi. Does anyone drink Diet Pepsi? Will anyone admit that they drink Diet Pepsi? Do you guys know what Diet Pepsi is? The soda is in the fridge, but like our spiritual life, it is now flat. No fizz. Isn't that terrible? Have you ever gone and got soda out of the fridge, and you poured it, and you're looking forward to it, and you get it, and you drink it, like, ah. It's no longer effervescent. Here's the question. Are you thirsty? I'm going to take a drink. Are you thirsty this morning for more of him? Are you thirsty for the well that doesn't run dry? Ah. Have you ever been really thirsty? I remember uh, as a kid, I, I would play Little League for a couple years. And um, we're playing baseball. And uh, I'm not sure if it was a weekend, but for some reason, the coach called an extra practice. And we're like, extra practice? Okay, this coach is serious. But I was late. I woke up late, and it was really early in the morning. It was something like 8 in the morning. And, uh, and we had to get up, and we'd go, and it was hot. And I didn't have time to eat or drink anything. I just grabbed something. I grabbed a water bottle, and I, 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 I ran to, you know, jumped on my bike and, and made it to the field. And uh, we started off with uh, running the bases, believe it or not. 
running the bases. And I got there. I was already out of breath. And then we had to run. And it was very hot. And, and you know, when you run around the bases, and, and it's on a, on, a, on a baseball diamond, it's like there's earth. And you kick up dust. You know, person running behind you is kicking up dust, and it's dry. And I was telling the coach, I was like, Coach, can I just, I'm so thirsty. And he thought I was just, you know, um, you know, talking out and complaining. So he said, no, you'll drink when we're done. And I was like, no, I'm just really thirsty, really thirsty. And I remember, I remember that incident so well because I couldn't believe that he was telling me, no, I can't drink water. I was like, I was so thirsty. But he just wanted us to keep running. And finally, when I had that water bottle, I just took, took a drink, and I was so thankful. <sighs> Have you ever been really thirsty like that? And you, you came by and you found finally and you appreciated water like never before. You're like, oh, water, so good. Church, let me encourage you this morning. The word of God has not failed. Jesus is ever true. His promises are sure. What he said he will do. God said it. And I believe it. If you believe, then living water, a veritable river of life, will come forth from within you. If you agree, say amen. All who are thirsty, all who are weak, let them come to the fountain. Dip your heart in the streams of life. There is a fountain, church. There is a spring that cannot and will not run dry. The promised Holy Spirit poured out for you. You might ask, well, then what is the issue? What is the issue then? I want to propose this morning that there are three areas that we need to pay attention to in our lives that can potentially cause some blockages in us. Because what alternative do we have? The Word of God is either true or it isn't. And the Word of God says that if you believe, living water will flow from within you. Right? We're all following. If it isn't, why not? I want to propose three areas. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. In the Old Testament, I'm reminded of a number of stories where a well had been dug, let's say, by Abraham's uh, shepherds. And then later, because Abraham's enemies filled in the well with dirt and rocks. Isaac had to come along and re-dig it. Re-dig it. In Genesis 26, 15, it says this, So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. A few verses later, it says, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names that his father had given them. I want to just push this analogy a little bit, okay? Please allow me to. Most of us, in one way or another, are under the blessing of a spiritual heritage, our parents, our grandparents, or someone who functioned as a spiritual parent to us that carved out a well And we have been blessed by it. For some of us today, this is a call not so much to uh, try to dig a new well, but to go back to the wells we've known and redig them. Open up the ancient doors. Clear the path for the life of God to flow through us once again. 
In Genesis 29, Jacob, Isaac's son, first met Rachel. It was at a well. Moses sat down by a well. Jesus, with the Samaritan woman, went by a well. This well uh, for Jacob, when he met Rachel, had a large stone covering the mouth of it. And when all the flocks were gathered around, the shepherds would remove the stone and water their flocks. We pick it up in verse 10. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled away the stone from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Sometimes it's not even dirt that blocks the well. Sometimes it's a stone. Our first consideration this morning for a potential block is that our well is filled with dirt and rocks. And what does that mean? That means that there's really nothing wrong with the well itself. It means that if it wasn't for the dirt and the rocks accumulating at the bottom of this well, it would work. There would be living water flowing. But because of the dirt and the rocks, it gets clogged up. It gets stopped up. And what I want to push this analogy is to say that this dirt can often be the things that we think about, the things that we entertain in our minds. The first call this morning is that we would renew our commitment to guard our thoughts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here it is. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Nice verse. Amen? What does it mean? What does it mean to take every thought captive? Well, it's a discipline, and it's about training your mind, you know, just like physical fitness, just like when you're lifting weights or doing some cardiovascular training. It's, uh, we have a saying in the military, uh, which they encourage us every year because every year we've got to do like a test. And so the, the, the chain of command, you know, the captain will come and he'll say, by the way, a reminder, you got to stay fit. And I want to remind you that it's easier to stay fit than get fit. So get to work is what he's trying to say, right? But it should come as an encouragement, not as a discouragement. It shouldn't discourage you. What it means is that with regular practice, you begin to reinforce good habits, and soon it becomes second nature. We need, church, we need to come to Jesus with our thoughts. You know, some of the ancient uh, servants of God will say, um, one of them was Ignatius. Uh, he was uh, a very famous Christian dude and a long time ago. That's my full description of him. But basically, he had this prayer of examine. And what he would do is at the end of the day, he would sit down and he would just basically fundamentally pray and ask Jesus. And he would say, Lord, what did I miss? What did I miss today? And he'd invite Jesus into the different areas of his day. And he would try to gain that perspective 
the Lord's perspective on maybe something he missed or a word that was spoken untimely or uh, something that he should have done and didn't do or, you know, something he did incorrectly. And he would invite Jesus into his day and into his thoughts. And that's what it means. It, it's not trying to work up your will so much, but it's when you have thoughts, know that you can invite Jesus into that process and say, Lord, why am I thinking about these things? Why is my mind filled with these particular thoughts? And, 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 and can, you, can you shape me? Can you fill me with your spirit? Can I, can I be renewed in my mind in this way? Is it possible that the reason you're not experiencing is because the well is filled with dirt. I wasn't trying to drop the mic there. I was just, I was just pausing, just cut out for a second. Some have said that we're living in the age of information. Yes, but I think we've actually transcended that. We're living in what I call the age of disinformation. When information and opinion, some of it, some of it, church, is incredibly toxic. And it's present in abundance. And so in a world where objective journalism has essentially disappeared, the entire motivation of the media is simply to upset you because they know that you shop more when you're angry. The ability to turn it off is becoming like a superpower. Church, if you want the life of God to flow through you again, it's actually quite simple. Get rid of the dirt. Number two, our well has a stone covering the opening. And this is a call not just to guard our thoughts and to take every thought captive. Let me, let me explain to you how this works in my life for the thoughts. I just want to stay here for just a moment because maybe you're wondering, okay, give me, give me a tangible example, okay? I will tell you that when a thought comes, right, and it's not the right thought, I don't just allow it to stay there, okay? And, and this is not something I've always practiced. It's because I've struggled with this a lot that... I'm able to now tell you exactly what the process is for me. It may look different for you. I'm not saying you got to do it the way I do it. I'm just telling you how it works for me, okay? And the thought comes and I say, no, I, I, I resist that thought. I don't need to have that thought. I don't let it linger. Lord, cleanse my mind. Say a little a breath prayer in that moment. And you know what begins to happen? The first time you take a stand against those thoughts is the most difficult time. Because from that point on, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. Church, you don't have to be a slave to just whatever you think about. God has given you power and authority and, 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 of love and a sound mind. And, and we are called to, to monitor our thoughts and to guard our thoughts because we want the life of God to flow through us. Amen? Second is our words. Very closely connected. We need to guard our mouths. James chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed. I don't know why James has to break out the jungle book when he's talking about this, but he's basically saying all these kinds of animals have been tamed, but no human being can tame their tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Seems really extreme, right? James was like a, he was an edgy dude. He was an edgy dude. 
You can quote me on that. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, he's, he's appealing to them. He's, he's, he's trying to reach them. He's saying, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So we need to come to Jesus with our thoughts. We also need to come to Jesus with our words. Amen. This is a simple message. This is just by way of reminder today. Sometimes it just helps to be reminded of things. Yes, my thoughts. Yes, my words. What does it mean to watch over our words? Interesting, in Proverbs 18.8, it says this, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Has that been your experience? This is, this is an area of major struggle for me. Let me just be open and honest and vulnerable with you. Okay, don't judge me. But words have been such a challenge for me. Because I've got this right word just to say, just a zinger, right when I want to say it, right? And you know what? It's true. Proverbs 18.8, this choice morsel. It's like I've got this word in my mouth, and it's like, it's like this tasty little bite. Oh, I'm going to get them. I'm going I'm to point it out. I'm going to say this. It rarely, it rarely works with the good intention that I have. Gossip is like that choice morsel. And so in preparation of this message, I've tried my best to, this week even, just be mindful of it and try to describe what it's like to swallow it. You come to a situation, kids are there, wife is there, and I've got that perfect zinger, and it's like, not going to say it going to think it, not going to say it. But you know, it gets easier, just like the thinking part. It gets easier. If we, 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 we put a rein on what we're saying. We put a rein on our tongue, you know, because our words have so much power. Jesus said this, what goes into someone's mouth doesn't defile them. This is Matthew 15, 11, but what comes out of their mouth that is what defiles them. It is possible that the reason you're not seeing the life of God flow through you is because, well, there's a stone covering it. The truth is that words that we speak are powerful. The, that power needs to be respected. James 3, 6, the tongue is also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, set the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Finally, our well has roots that have clogged it up. We not only need to guard our thoughts, guard our words, but we need to guard our hearts, our hearts specifically in the areas where we've experienced pain and hurt. Hebrews 12, 14, 15 says this, Make every effort to live in peace with, some, with, with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see, uh, some people clearing out a well, sometimes it's not dirt or rocks that are blocking it. Sometimes roots have gotten in there. Roots, underground roots, have gotten into the well, and it's causing a problem. 
And what happens is we experience life, we experience relationships, we experience hurt, pain, disappointment. And instead of inviting Jesus into that process to help us move forward and to heal us and to cleanse us, we allow it to jade us and to change our perspective, and it defiles us. What does it mean to guard our hearts? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows. Interesting that they use the word flow. Flows from it. I want to propose that much of what it means to guard our heart is to make sure that our relationships with God and with others are maintained, that we might have peace. Come to Jesus with your thoughts. Come to Jesus with your words. Come to Jesus with your heart. Our thoughts, our words, and also our relationships need to be guarded. When we are hurt, it changes how we see the world around us. It jades us and changes our perspective. But Jesus has made a way so that our vision can be made clear again. You have been listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including events, ministries, and service time, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. You can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast store, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.